the ability to express honor and appreciation were released. I want you to hear me. The ability to express honor and appreciation will release the favor of God on your life. We live in a culture today that has lost the value of appreciation. We live in a culture that's lost the value of honor. And when we begin to see what God does as we follow this thing, so what we're doing is important. It's a joy uh, to honor, to show appreciation, pleases God. We obey his word. We're in Philippians 2 to begin with. And it encourages these leaders that we're so thankful for, and it blesses our church. So let's look at some scriptures to start with. I'm going to give you several right here just to make sure we get the heart of God about expressing appreciation to these leaders and how this works. Mom and Dad, I I really, honestly, I wish your children were in here right now. And and I hope that our students are listening to this. Uh, Anyone in our lives that we learn to honor and appreciate releases favor back to us. This will work for husbands and wives. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going to try it again. This will work for husbands and wives. You're still lukewarm. Is is it summer? What is it? You know, what happens? uh, Let me tell you this. I want to say this in the beginning. I, I don't want to end with this. When God gives a gift... The way we recognize and value that gift will determine how God blesses us with the next gift. If I have a gift of God in my life and I don't value and appreciate it, I, I lose my opportunity for blessing to rest on that. So, if, so, so let me go back to marriage because you're scaring me a little bit. I don't have enough time to do all this marriage counseling that I'm getting afraid of right now. You'll wear Pastor Tony out. and You don't want me to do your marriage counseling because I practice the three-step counseling. What is it? Admit it, quit it, and forget it. And I feel like that solves every problem I've ever counseled for. So now I've counseled. That's my free marriage counseling. You ready? I'm going to give it to you one more time. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. And so there, all right, good. We're all well. So here it is in marriage. Your husband and your wife is a gift from God. If you value that gift... God will bless that and honor it in the growth. Okay, so let's look at this. Let's look at, at, at pastoral or, or leadership in the church. Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at verse number 29. Philippians 2 and verse number 29. Welcome. Here's one of uh, Epaphroditus. Notice how just the terminology. I want you to catch this vein. What does it say about this, this minister? Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. That's how we are to receive these ministers. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, 5th chapter. If you'll turn there with me or find that on your device, let's just keep it fired up today. We're going to be busy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. You begin to see what we're, what we're hearing here. Let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Turn there with me. And let's go to verse number 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. Let's back up and go to Galatians chapter 6. 
Galatians chapter 6. You can see in almost every epistle written, which epistle just means a letter to the local churches. These are brand new churches that just started. One of the, one of the foundation principles that is given to almost every one of them, he says, I want you to honor and respect these men and women who are leading you. They are gifts from God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6, notice this. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. So the Bible is clear. Time after time after time, there is a value placed on spiritual leadership. So the word appreciation, think about that word with me. What does it mean? It means to recognize and enjoy the good qualities of someone. I want you to think about the people in your life. Think about your spouse. Think about your children. Think about your, the people around you. What does it mean to appreciate? It means that you, you take time to recognize and, and enjoy the good qualities of someone. Let me give you an exercise that might be good this summer. Uh, if you're on vacation, if you're in the car, if you're hopefully eating meals together, that one of the things that would be great to do, maybe not every meal or every day, but once a week, why don't you take some time and go around your table and talk about what you appreciate about one another? What are some of the qualities that you see? I recognize. See, to appreciate means you have to recognize. I recognize uh, I, and I enjoy these qualities in your life. Do you know that if for your children, that if you will speak to their strengths, they'll be stronger in those areas? Do you know if you recognize that, they'll do better? In other words, you say, you know what? I watched you be kind to your sister. Thank you for being so kind. Kindness flourishes in their life. If all you ever say is, you're so mean... You never do that right. You, you, we, we destroy and begin to wound their spirit. So what we begin to say is, here's what I say. You never have the right to, to, uh, to discipline someone that you've not first discipled. If you're not willing to disciple, you're not qualified to discipline. So if all you do is whip the child and you never encourage a child, you're not doing your job as a parent. If I never point you in the right direction but only criticize you for the wrong direction, I bear some of that responsibility. And so when I appreciate something, I identify that. I recognize it. I call it to your attention and say, I appreciate it. To appreciate means to recognize something. I enjoy a quality in your life. It's gratitude. It's thankfulness. But think about it in this way because I want you to see the value of how this grows. Uh, how do we use that word in another sense? sense in the business sense uh have you ever heard someone say um i don't think you really appreciate how good this is have you ever heard that term or what about when you've bought a house and and somebody says well that the value of that house is really appreciated there's an appreciation value. So to appreciate means that there is a growing value in something. I, 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 do you fully understand? Do you appreciate what's there? And I think that's what God wants us to do is to recognize in our relationships, do we really appreciate what we have? Do we really recognize what we have? Do we focus on that? How do we respond to that? So let me give you three or four things here that are very important before we come and pray. In, in, in leadership, so we see the Bible telling us recognize, honor, respect, appreciate. So let me talk about three or four things in leadership that are critical. This helps us know how to relate to our leaders. It helps us to become better leaders in ourselves. So the first thing I want to talk about is the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. Ephesians 4, 8. Will you turn there with me or find that place? Let, let's look at this. Ephesians 4, verse 8. What do I mean by the gift of leadership in the body of Christ? Let's, let's look at this. Ephesians 4, verse 8. 
This is why it says, when he ascended, this is Jesus, when he ascended on high, when he was resurrected from the grave, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. In other words, his, his resurrection freed the captives that Satan had held. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. And what did he do? And he gave gifts to men. So what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, right, during, during those three days. And he who descended is the very one who ascended, where? Higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So what were the gifts that he gave? Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. So what are the gifts that he gave as Jesus ascended to heaven triumphantly, uh, breaking Satan's power, setting captives free? The Bible said he gave gifts. The gifts that he gave were the leadership to the body of Christ, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. So we begin to view the gift of leadership. I said earlier, how I look at a gift determines how I honor that gift and how it works back in my life. The word here, gift, is the same word in 1 Corinthians 12 when it talks about spiritual gifts. Leadership in the church is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a gifting. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in our life. The more I recognize the gift, the greater that gift can function. You know, I believe it doesn't happen here at Calvary because it's such a kind, encouraging congregation. You pray for me. You pray for our pastors. We, we work. We have a great team of volunteers, a dream team at Calvary. It's an amazing place to see the work of God get done. Many times people come to some of the things we do like serve the city or, or our uh, Christmas now and then and things like that. And they say, how does this happen? And I say, you have to come look at this congregation. Because of this team that operates here. It's a prayerful, kind, loving, engaged family of believers. Uh, and it, it allows the leadership to flourish. But I've been in places. Maybe you have. I hope you haven't had to experience this. Where, where, the, where the gift of leadership is, is stunted and, and is lessened because it's never respected or valued. The pastor's always, uh, he's, he's, he's just a hired hand. Or, or, or the leaders are looked at as, as you know, just, just people that aren't valuable and, and they're not respected. And so their gift never flourishes. You know, you know what I believe? I, I, I believe this all apart. Heart, if you respect the gift, the gift grows. If you, if you recognize the gift, it grows. The pastoral leaders in this church are great men and women of God because you guys have recognized that. And as we honor a gift, the gift flourishes. Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Romans 12, 6. I just want to walk you through some things I believe that are going to help you greatly. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 6. Let's look at this for a moment today. Romans the 12th chapter. I want to begin reading in verse number 6. What do we find? We have different gifts. According to the grace, see, there's that grace again of gifting. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Look at this list. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Look at this. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So leadership in the church is a gift. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that leadership in the church, that, that one of those leaders, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, that this is not a profession, it's a calling. 
This isn't a job, it's a calling. Look at Romans 1, 1 while we're in here. Notice what Paul says about his call. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. He repeats this in some fashion in almost every letter the Holy Spirit used him to write. In Romans 1, 1, look at this. Paul, look how he describes himself, a servant of Christ. The King James says a bond servant. You know how that can literally be translated? He said, I'm the slave of Christ. He says, I gave him all my rights. I'm a slave. So he says, here's my title. This is one of the greatest apostles, but notice how he understands himself. This is why these are gifts. A servant of Christ Jesus, what, what did he say? Called to be an apostle and what? Set apart or separated for the gospel. So, so what is this leadership gift in the church? Someone that is what? They're servant to God. They are called. They didn't decide. It wasn't a profession. And, and they were set apart for that. That's their calling. That's what they do. And, and uh, let, let's look at James chapter 3 and verse 1. I told you a lot of scripture. I'm going to kind of preach here in a minute. But let me just teach you for a little bit. Is it okay to teach and learn some things today? I think we go to church all the time and we just work, go through the uh, motions. And we don't really understand how God has ordered things and, and how blessing comes. James 3 and verse 1. Look at this. Why, why do we need to, to, to see this gifting of leadership because James 3 1 says not many of you should presume see it's not some not your choice presume to be teachers my brothers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly see in let me say this the pastoral leadership in the body of Christ uh, is a gift because of the qualification because the responsibility that rests on this. He said, it's not something you take on yourself. It's a call. Now, watch, watch, what, here's what I want you to understand. Uh, in the kingdom of God, in the church, character matters. Character matters. Listen, as a spiritual leader, who you are comes before what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. Now, in our culture today, in our bottom line culture, let, can I just speak frankly? In our bottom line culture, with, with most professions, uh, you can get by with a pretty bad character as long as you're producing on the bottom line. How did we ever get to the place where we're just now finding out about the Harvey Weinsteins of the world? Say, so, Pastor, don't talk about that in church. Well, it, you all know about it, so let's talk about it. Where did we get to that place? How, how did someone have 50 victims before it became public? Because he was producing movies that were making money for the investors. And so his character wasn't nearly as important as what he produced on the bottom line. And finally, when that thing went so far that there's nothing else you could do, it finally caught up with it. And we're finding that in every area of society. Here's the difference. In the kingdom of God, who you are is more important than what you do. In the kingdom of God, the person you are, your character matters. Listen, let me tell you something. Sometimes your talent can write a check that your character can't cash. Can I say that again? Your talent, and even in the church, listen to me, your gifting can write a check that your character can't match. So in the body of Christ, what we're saying is we celebrate character and calling before we do gifting and talent. And that's why spiritual leadership is a gift. 
It's a gift into the body of Christ. And when we respect that and honor that and understand it, God begins to bless that. He gives, he blesses the leader, he blesses the church, he blesses where we're going. See, in 1 Timothy 3, I won't take you there, there are a dozen qualities that qualify spiritual leadership. Let me read, listen, spiritual maturity, self-control, social graciousness. Did you know? What does that mean? It said we have to learn how to treat people and talk to people and be kind to people. You know, you're not some oaf, okay? I mean, you, all right. Domestic order, their home is a place. Holy living. And it says if our leaders fail to live this character, they have to step out of their leadership position and be restored to that. Character matters in the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's why we respect it. See, the, uh, your other things you read through Scripture, these qualities in your spiritual leaders, humility, they're teachable, they're vulnerable, they're open, they, they're secure servant leaders. They, they resist popular opinion. Your leaders aren't politicians. Sorry to... Your, lead, your leaders aren't taking a vote and doing, they're following God. Let me give you an illustration. It's a quick one. I'll never forget I had it. You know, as a pastor and, and as leaders, we're talking about our, our pastoral staff. I'm trying to, I use my illustration to deflect so you don't have to, you know, I, I'll let you think about me and if you don't like it and, and love them today, okay? But, but I remember uh, a guy, you know, when you make decisions, sometimes people don't always agree with them. And I remember a guy came to me one day. He was mad, you know, red face, hot, man, everything. I said, sit down, sit down. Let's talk. And I had, this is what I thought we should do, and this is what he thought we should do. I said, okay, well, here we are. We, what are we going to do? I said, let me tell you something. The first thing I want to say to you is that I do not think I'm infallible. I could be wrong. Okay, let me say that first. I could be wrong, and you could be right. So let's make sure you understand that. I said, here's the problem I have today. Before God, I really believe this is what God wants me to do. Now, I didn't start out and do spiritual blackmail. I hate when people spiritual blackmail me. What is that? When you start the conversation and say, God told me so-and-so, well, what are you asking? I got nothing to say then. I've had people come to me, Pastor, God told me to do this. What do you think? I said, what do you mean, what do I think? You think about that statement. If he told you, I'm out. I'm going to actually say, you come to me and say, God told me to do so and so. What do you think? Well, I wouldn't do that. What? You better go do it. I wasn't in on the conversation. <laughs> but, but I said, look, we got an issue. I said, I could be wrong. But I said, to the best of my ability, I believe this is what God wants me to do. I really believe that. I said, and you think this is the wrong decision. And I respect it. I said, so what am I going to do today? Am I going to make you happy or God happy today? I said, because if I make you happy, I've displeased God. If I please God, I'm going to make you unhappy. I said, I'm sorry, but I picked God today in this thing. And I, said, and I, I wasn't being a smart like, I said, that's all I know to do. I said, now let's do this. If you'll hang on with me for a while, let's walk this out. Time will prove which one is making the best decision here. If I'm wrong and you're right, I'll tell you that. If it works out that what I said was what God wants us to do and it works, then we're good and we've learned something together. So a pastor, a spiritual leader, your job, our job, their job is not public opinion. It's the best humbly before God to do what you believe his word says and what his spirit directs us to do. That's spiritual leadership. That's why that's a gift to the body of Christ. Uh, fasting and prayer is part of their life. Uh, dreams and visions, understanding that, miracles, signs, wonders. There, there are gifts. The Bible says these leadership gifts, often God flows through them in those areas. They're a gift to us. They're to bring harmony and unity. They're, they're to, uh, you know, th those things are most important. They're willing to take charge when nobody else wants to take charge. Uh, it, it's an important thing. Let's go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. How many are still with me? 
I hope you're learning something. I hope you're thinking through something. Mark 10. I always want to make sure we're doing what we do out of, out of uh, knowledge, out of what the Word says. Look at Mark 10 and verse number 42. This is so critical. This is why I love uh, spiritual leadership, godly leadership. It's so different than, than what we're trained and taught in many other areas. Uh, Mark chapter 10. All right? And I'm going to go to find verse 42. I'm on the wrong page. Here we are. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, how do their rulers work? They lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 33, 43, look, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He was speaking to those that are the founding of the church, the original apostle. And whoever wants to be first must be, look at this language, slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Servant leaders. You know, one of the great things about our pastoral staff here at Calvary, we want you to see this, is that without them, the leadership of this church wouldn't be complete. Because, see, within myself as your pastor, I don't possess all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't possess all these different giftings. And so what, what I learned at first, when I first, uh, the church began to grow many years ago, and I was a pastor, there were no associate pastors, and the first couple of pastors I brought on, I didn't understand how to do it because I brought on guys that were exactly like me. That, that was easy. So I identified. I re, they were just like me. So what was the problem with that? Well, they, they were really good at doing what I was good at doing. And none of us were good at the things we weren't good at doing. You understand? And I kept telling them, I don't need you to help me preach. I need you to help me do this kind of stuff. Well, they just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And finally, I figured this out. So let me bring somebody here that's good where I'm weak. And let me find somebody who has a gift I don't have. So I need to stay in my lane and do what I'm supposed to do. And I need to find somebody who's gifted where I'm not gifted. And instead of, uh, instead of uh, not understanding that, let's put a team together. So what this pastoral team does here at Calvary is that they complete the leadership of this church. Without them, our leadership wouldn't be what it's supposed to be. Without them, it wouldn't be in that right place. And so what happens is they complete the leadership. They make us better than we would be if they weren't here. Uh, I, these, these men and women in their own right could pastor a church any place. But they've joined this team here. And here's what I found out. If you think you're too big to do small things for God, you're, you're too little to do big things for God. I want to say that one more time. If you're too big to do the little things, you're way too little to do the big things for God. And when God finds a group, a team that says, let's just get together and do something for God, let's let God build a team, then we begin to see the blessing of that. It, it begins to be a major thing. So that's the gifting of leadership. Let me hurry. I, I want to show you this. Let's look. So what? that's the gift, but what's the goal of leadership? Go back to Ephesians 4 with me, where we started. Ephesians chapter 4. This is, this is powerful, and this is the potential the goal. What does, uh, what does leadership do for us? Galatians chapter 4 or, or Ephesians chapter 4. And let's go back to verse uh, number 10. Verse 11. I'm sorry. This is where, where we read. What are the gifts? But let's see what's the goal of the gift. Verse 11 says in Ephesians 4, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Notice at the end of verse number 11, there's a comma, not a period. All right. So what did he give these gifts for? What's the goal? Let's go to verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There are a lot of things that I'll be responsible to answer to God for and our pastors, but one of the primary functions that God has called us and separated us to be and given as a gift to the church, if we fulfill our purpose, is that we are to equip his church 
to do works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, let me help you understand that. That doesn't mean that our job is to recruiting people to do things they don't want to do. Our calling before God is to help you discover who you are who God made you to be, the gifting and the purpose and the calling on your life. And once you begin to understand, man, this is who I am. This is my gift. This is my passion. This is my ability. Our responsibility is to oversee that and put you in the sweet spot God created you to occupy. And as you begin to do that and we build the body of Christ, what's happening? People are being equipped for works of service and the body of Christ begins to be built up. The only other place in the New Testament that word equip is used is in Luke chapter 5 and verse 2 where Jesus began to call the disciples and it said he walked on the seashore and there was Peter and the fishermen and the Bible says in Luke 5 2 and they were mending or washing their nets. Now they had been fishing all night and if you remember they didn't catch anything. And so Jesus came, and what were they doing? They were washing or mending their net. What a picture. The only other word, time that word's used is right here. So what do, what's the goal of pastoral leadership? You know what we do? We take the lives under the direction of God and his word, and we begin to weave and mend a net together here at Calvary out of the lives of God's people so that as we go through our day, through our life, through our world, we begin to catch lost men and women for the kingdom of God. Instead of a bunch of isolated individuals just going along like this you know you could drag a lot of strings behind a boat and not catch a fish but if you weave those strings into a net and pull it behind a boat you begin to get a harvest you begin to catch the goal so our responsibility the goal of leadership is to help you know hey I'm called by God I'm gifted by God I'm not just a church attender a pew sitter a petrified Christian I am a member of the body of Christ I have a gift and a calling in my life what I do matters I'm a member of the body and if I connect with the other members of the body, God's going to build up his church and we're going to do great things for God. The goal of leadership is to help you discover who you are, put this together, and change this world for Jesus Christ. How many can say amen to that? Let, watch this. Watch what happens. Let's keep reading. So verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Watch what happens then. Until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And, and so, do you know why there's not unity in the church? Because spiritual leadership is not equipping people to know who they are. But once we begin to know who we are, what happens? We, we, we begin to find unity. Watch this. And watch this. And become what? Mature. What about that? The goal of leadership is maturing the church. And then what happens? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the church literally can become what we're supposed to be is the body of Christ. How exciting would it be in North Alabama that Calvary becomes so much like Jesus, like we're supposed to be, that everywhere we go, people have been encountered by Jesus. That when you get around one of us, we may not be all of it by ourselves, but if you get around all of us, there's this gift and that gift and this gift and that that gift and that anointing and this anointing and this talent and that talent and people walk off and say my goodness I feel like I've been in the presence of Jesus that is the opportunity we're united we're mature we reach the full measure of Jesus Christ as the leadership 
equips and molds the church together. What an exciting way to live. It's not just going to church and going through the motions and, and you know, sowing your wild oats on Friday night, Saturday night, coming to church on Sunday morning, praying for crop failure. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. We're building the body of Christ. It's an amazing goal. In other words, we disciple you so that you disciple those you get in touch with. We're responsible to live a life before you that models Christ and teach the gospel according to his word. We don't shift it. We don't change it. We don't alter it. We don't pollute the gospel. We preach the word. We live the word. And you have an opportunity to do that same thing in your life. It, it's, it's the goal of leadership. That's the entire goal of what we do. But let, let me, uh, and before, because we're good on time, I want to have some time to pray. Let, let me show you one other thing that, that, that happens with leadership, because you need to know this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. There's the, the gift of leadership I've talked about, the, the goal of what leadership does. But let me show you 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 28. Something we need to prayerfully uh, be aware of. You know, I'm not sure I've got this right here. Yeah, I do. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Look at this. Paul's sharing with the church in Corinth. And he says, look at this statement. This little statement right here at the end of this. He says, besides everything else... I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. You know what? There's not only a gift of leadership and the goal of that gift, but can I, can I be very honest with you about spiritual leadership? I'm going to give you another word. There's the grind of leadership, the grind of leadership. Besides everything else, I feel daily the pressure of my concern for the church. You know that they, they tell us now it's unbelievable. I've checked in a more than one source that there's a 90% attrition rate in the ministry in the United States right now. That from when a young man or woman starts in the ministry, their first start, to those who retire still in the ministry, 90% never make it there. 90% fall out. It's the highest attrition of any grouping in our society. From where you start, those who finish in there, 90%. 90% fallout rate. It's the grind of the ministry. What does that mean? Well, it's a task bigger than any individual can take. Within me, I don't have what it takes to pastor this church. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have what it takes to pastor this church. Every day, I have to rely on the Holy Spirit to direct and lead and guide. To give me direction and wisdom and strength and grace to go. Why is it grind? What happens? Well, there's some things. You understand Satan is not omnipresent like God. He can't be everywhere at once. So what he has to be because he's not omnipresent, he's strategic. So what does he do? He targets leadership. And if leadership falls, then Satan, he knows this. If you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. And so his targets are leadership. I'll never forget when one of the leaders that really was such a blessing in my life as a young pastor when he, when, he, when he had a moral failure in his life, and I was just shattered. I was so disappointed. 
and kind of reeling from this because I'd so looked up to him. And I remember, you know, all, that, all those emotions going through, through my mind and my life. And, and, you know, the whole thing, you know, I felt sorry for him. Then it was then I, then I was mad and, and, and the whole thing. And I'll never forget what another leader said to me. He said, when a leader falls, we should not ask first why he fell. We should ask first, have I prayed for him? He said, we'll receive and receive and we'll pull and we'll pull. But do we ever invest? Do we ever invest? Do we ever invest? Paul said, I have pressure in this thing. It's a task greater than individual. Are we investing where we're receiving those things? The, the target. And then, you know, I call it the domestic disturbance syndrome. Do you know the, 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 the it's just, it's just uh, you know, what we have to, it's vocational reality. Uh, the police can tell you this. The number one instance of where a policeman gets shot is answering a domestic disturbance call. Isn't that strange? Not robbery and all this other stuff. And so I call it the domestic disturbance syndrome. What does that mean? Well, everybody's mad. And then an authority figure steps in. And what do they do? Let's just do it. Let's just shoot him then. And because I'm bad at you, I'm going to shoot him. And, and, and you know what? A lot of leaders, they catch the overflow of all that. You know, you grew up and you didn't like your dad. And you grew up and you're mad at your mom. And, and you didn't like your teacher. And then you look at the pastor and go, he's just like all the rest of them. Well, I didn't. No, I'm not. We didn't do that. We weren't there when that happened. And so what happens, we begin to, we want to shoot the leader. We want to shoot the authority. We're upset in life. I, I had a lady one time at our first church. If, if I knew you could connect it, I wouldn't share this. I'll never forget it. We were so excited. A little church in the storefront. It was starting to grow. And it's just exciting. She came to me. She said, Pastor. I got to talk to you. I said, sure. She goes, what has happened to our church? Now, I'm brand new, man. I'm fresh and raw. I said, what do you mean? She goes, it used to be such a wonderful place. I was thinking, I, I thought it was. I mean, you know, I was trying to think of what's been, you know, your mind starts running through the last few weeks. I thought, I think it's good. I'm thinking, you know, she goes, I used to feel the presence of God. It's gone. I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And she said, and, you know, all this stuff. Well, here, and, and, I, and, and man, it put me on my heels for a minute. I was thinking, what in the world? And then, she, and then she, she got to it. See, what happened, her son and daughter-in-law went to our church too. And she and the daughter-in-law had been having an issue. Let me just say it that way. So when she came to church and saw her daughter-in-law, it was over, baby. You understand? I mean, if Jesus would have come and sat on her lap, it wouldn't have been a good service. You understand what I'm saying? Because, and so she made a, 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 a decision, an assumption of this. Well, if I don't feel the Holy Spirit, nobody does. If I'm not happy, nobody's happy. Uh-huh. And, then I, and, and so, so then I realized, listening to her talk, what was going on. Then I said, this is why you have to pray for your pastor. Then I had to be the guy to tell her, that's not the problem. Jesus is here. It's you and your daughter-in-law that need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. See, that, see, that's the hard part of being a pastor. First, you got hit in the gut. Somebody tells you the church isn't good. It's not any good anymore. No Holy Spirit. It's something's changed. And then you got to tell them, no, everything's fine. It's you that needs to change. That's the hard part of being a pastor, see? And so there's a grind sometimes. There's a grind. But you know what is the good news? The Bible says God's grace comes with every call that comes in your life. And when you begin to understand the grace is there, God gives wisdom. God gives grace. That's why you pray for your pastor. That's why you understand these leaders, all right? So let me, let me bring this here. You guys have let me teach you some things a lot of people never hear in church today. 
But it gives me an opportunity to encourage you with these leaders that we have to think about them. I wanted to share this because I want you to see them and think, Father, give them wisdom. God, give them grace. Thank you for their gifting. I recognize the things I enjoy out of their life. I don't take that for granted. It makes our church family what it is. Thank you for leadership. Thank you for what they do. Thank you that they're committed and they're in the ministry and their families are part and they're doing what they do. And the last thing I want to remind you of is what we found in Ephesians chapter 4. What does it say? That as we, and we, are we still there in Ephesians 4? Is that the last? No, I jumped over to, to 2 Corinthians, didn't I? But it says that the body of Christ is built up. We grow until we reach the fullness of the measure of Christ. Let me read through the rest of this. Keep, let's keep going. Uh, go to verse 416. You were good. He, thank you. From him, the whole body joined and held together, look at this, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's the thing that I understand. Leadership doesn't develop in a day. It develops daily. It doesn't develop in a day. It develops daily. And when we begin to recognize as a church, here's what I want you to see. I want to make sure you see this, is that leadership develops leadership. The greatest mark of a leader is not that he, that he leads followers, that he leads leaders. And so that, my goal for you as Calvary listening to this today, I kind of snuck, I kind of, uh, pardon me, is this an Arkansas word, snuck? Is that a real word? Is that a real word? I kind of snuck up on your, or let me try to be more uh, dignified. Uh, I, 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 uh, did an end run on you right now today. Because you've been talking about leadership and your whole time you're thinking about our pastoral staff. But here's what I want to tell you. I've been teaching you who you are today. Because you see in the body of Christ we're all leaders. Paul says, what do you say? Follow me as I follow Christ. What does he say? Let me lead. Dad, you're leading your home. Mom, you're leading in that home. Co-workers, you're leading in that work. Students, you're leading in that work. See, you're a leader. Because you are a witness for Christ, you're a leader. And these qualities that are demanded in the life of spiritual leadership in the church are also expected in the life of those who are in the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you today. You're a leader. If no one's ever called you before, you're a leader. If you never recognize that, you're a leader. You might say, I don't want to be a leader. I remember Charles Barkley famously said, I don't want to be a role model. Well, guess what? You're one anyway. <laughs> you know, you, you may say, I want the privileges of, of fame. I want the privileges of money. I want the privileges of being an NBA athlete and a sports commentator. But I don't want any of the responsibility. Guess what? When you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, when you identify with him, you have become a leader in some circle in your life. And God will honor that. And if you recognize that, grace comes with it. You can't say, well, I'm not good enough for that. I just told you today, I'm not big enough to be the pastor of this church. But he called me to do it, and he called, equipped me to do it, and he separated me to do it. And by the grace of God, I'm going to do what God called me to do. I may stumble, but I'll get up. I may fall, but I get up. I may fall, but I'll fall forward. You're a leader. You can lead someone in the body of Christ. And when we do, what happens? We grow. The church grows. We become like Christ. We become an example to this world we're living. And remember what I said earlier about appreciation? Then people start looking at this church and what happens? They say, wow, that, that church is appreciating in the image of Christ. That church is growing in the image of Christ. When I first came, it was this, and now it's that. When I first began to get around, I saw this. Now I'll say this. There were a core of people that were leading. Now there's more people leading. Now it's a church of leaders. Now it's a place where Christ is given. You see, leadership is a godly gift. It is who we are. It goes with us as men and women in the kingdom of God.